Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good night, nation. Regular season on the back burner. Time now to take a look forward. It is bowl time here for UCF. And the Knights and BYU, they'll be squaring off in the Boca Bowl come Tuesday, the 22nd of December. As we welcome you in here to another edition of our Two Nights and One podcast. Former UCF standout, 10-year NFL veteran, Leger Doosable, Scott Adams here, and Doos. You know, a, a postseason here in which in 2020, the ability to be able to play another game here for these UCF players. This has got to feel good, and this is a culmination of the success that they had on the football field during this 2020 season, but but also, you know, another opportunity to, to strap it up and go up against one of the top brands in all of college football, BYU. What a, what a, a great story that they've been here on the season as well. Yeah, definitely. It's a blessing. And just listening to Eric Gilliard earlier this week, he really harped and talked about that, especially with SMU, I believe, getting their bowl game canceled, being able to play this extra game and being able to play all nine games as they were scheduled on the season. Again, kudos to this UCF staff, the UCF players, and and the support uh, staff for UCF for getting the players ready, not only on the field, but off the field, and, and everybody doing the right thing to make sure that they didn't put themselves at risk to play all nine games in the season. And now, because they've done the right thing they get a chance to play in an extra game a bowl game versus as you said one of the top non-power five teams in all the nation a, a BYU team that has really built a brand the last couple of years and coach Shiitake has got this program going in the right direction yeah, 10-1 and one on the season. BYU, their first 10-win season since 2011. And coming up here on this edition of our Two Nights in One podcast, we'll take a closer look at those BYU Cougars. This matchup, it's going to be one of the, the two top offenses in the country going toe-to-toe in South Florida. We'll take a look at some of those selections in the American All-Conference Awards. Those went out, and we'll also get Deuce's keys to the game and what it'll take for UCF to walk away with their seventh victory of the season. And Deuce, let's just quickly touch on this, this 2020 campaign. The Knights go 6-3 and three in the regular season. All three losses coming by single digits. We saw Dylan Gabriel here now in his sophomore campaign really make strides. I think the game as a whole really slowed down for, for Dylan Gabriel here in his, his sophomore campaign. Yeah, definitely and it did. And it's kind of like it's like, have you seen the Spider-Man meme where the Spider-Man's pointing at, him, pointing at himself? Well, it's kind of like Mackenzie Miller, right? The thing slowed down for him his sophomore year in 2017 and UCF went undefeated, and he elevated his game. The same thing for Dylan Gabriel. His sophomore year, his second his second year in the system with Josh Heupel, things really slowed down for him, and he's elevated his game, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. He's been up there for so many finalist awards 
this year is all, was one of the top offensive players in the nation, and rightfully so, because this guy has played at an all-time high level, and it was like the game never really got too big for him. As you stated, he took a massive jump from his first year to his second year, and especially on the road games. That's one thing we talked about all year long. He really struggled on some road games last year, but I feel like he played some of his better games on the road this season. Yeah, leading the nation in passing yards this year, 372 yards, 30 touchdown passes. He's on that Manning Award finalist list. And he had some receivers this year, dudes, that made his life a heck of a lot easier. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see Marlon Williams suit up for, for this game. But, I mean, talk about UCF and wide receivers over the course of the past four or five years. And, dudes, I, I mean, one could make the case that Marlon Williams might be the best of the bunch here this this past season for the Mobile Alabama uh, product just a, a whale of a season for him this year yeah definitely in a shortened season you would have to say he had probably the most explosive season of any UCF receiver and that's saying a lot when you're talking about guys like Trey Kwan Smith you're also talking about guys like Gabe Davis who went to the NFL and is having success both of those guys went to the NFL, and then you talk about guys like Mike Sims-Walker and also Brandon Marshall of the past. This guy, probably in a, in a nine-game stretch, had more yards than all these guys and, and averaged more yards per game, and it just showed he was so multiple. I talked about it all year long. He's really an issue in the slot, but this guy can play on the outside. You can give him some some sweeps. He's even played quarterback in his past and thrown a few passes, I believe, his freshman year. So this guy can do it all, and uh, unfortunately, like you said, he won't be playing in this game, but he's already got his eyes on the NFL and we can't, you know, fault, uh, fault him for that. Marlon Williams, 10 touchdowns, dudes. And I think what was really so impressive, at least being able to see it on field level, it's one thing to be able to watch the game at home, but being able to see him on the field and his ability to, to run after catch. He was one of the top guys in the nation taking that, that initial hit and then producing yardage after the fact. Yeah, the, the contact balance, and we talked about that too all year long. It's One guy doesn't bring him down, and he, he runs. When he catches the ball, it's like he's a running back, and it's hard to bring him down. We, we saw that time after time. We saw the two-lane game. We saw the Cincinnati game. This guy is built like a brick house, and my comparison for him was Anquan Bolden, the guy that came out of Florida State, and a, a lot of people were saying the same thing about Anquan. They were worried about his speed, and I believe he dropped to the second round because of that, but this guy could potentially go to the Hall of Fame because of everything that he could do. And, and just like Marlon, he was a guy that you could line up all over the place. And his run after the catch is what really separated him from most receivers because he turned into a running back, almost like a big bull when he catches the ball in open space. One guy's not bringing him down. I, I saw linebackers struggle to bring Marlon Williams down this season. And that's the type of, you know, feistiness and, and aggression and straight dog, as they would say, that he has in him. And that will translate well to the next level in the NFL. Jalen Robinson, he came on the scene here in 2020 as well for UCF. Nearly 1,000 yards for the speedster from, from Texas. He, he would go uh, six games over 100 yards. And Jalen, he's going to be the future here, dudes, come next season for, for Dylan Gabriel in this offense. Yeah, definitely, Scott. And I can't remember the last time, if there's even been a time where UCF had two receivers to go over 1,000 yards and with this game coming up on uh, Tuesday and this bowl game versus BYU, Jalen Robinson has a chance to also go over 1,000 yards. So that would be something significant for this offense to hang their hat on, 2,000-yard receivers. Then Trey Nixon is also coming back. Jacob Harris, who had a really great game 
Um, the last game versus USF, three touchdowns going over 100 yards. So this offense looks promising. Yes, we may lose Jacob Harris. We may lose Trey Nixon. We don't know what the rule with the rules who's coming back and who's not coming back. But the offense is going to be fine because we got guys like Jalen Robinson. We got Stretch Cradle coming back. Ryan O'Keefe, uh, Ahmad, and 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 a host of other recruits that just signed this past week. And so this UCF offense is going to keep trucking. And you have to really love that Jalen Robinson is coming back and is only going to be a junior next year. Yeah, National Signing Day earlier this week, UCF able to get a handful of signings. That's always such a, a you know, especially as a former player, dudes, just think about yeah. coming coming out of Tampa and signing on that dotted line. Just a quick thought about National Signing Day and what that means for a high school player that then is now going to continue his career at, at the highest level, Division One football. Yeah, it's it's one of the greatest feelings in in your young life because I mean you're you're still a kid at the time. You're only 18 years old, but I can remember it. I was just talking to one of my friends the other day, and I was like, I don't ever remember National Signing Day being in December, and then they have like another National Signing Day because when I came out, it was just one day. It was February, and and that's when everybody signed. But now it's like they have multiple signing days. You sign like right after your high school season's finished. I think there's another signing period like sometime in the spring, supposedly. So the rules are so so much different, but it's one of the greatest feelings of an 18-year-old. Like when I was able to, and, you know, the kids in 2020 can't do this, but I was able to have my whole family come to my school and, you know, the papers were out there and me and a few of my other teammates that were signing to, to play, you know, football at the next level in college were there. And it was just great to be with them that one last time and sign in front of the principal and athletic directors and, and a few of the coaches. And it was just a bright spot in, in your young life and your young career. And it means so much to be able to play at the next level because, you know, it's that's something that's not promised. And a lot of kids that finish high school don't get to play at the next level. So it was a blessing to be able to not only play in high school, but play at that next level at college and play Division One A at that. And dudes, I think that that this bowl game here being on on this Tuesday and National Signing Day taking place this this past week, as one of those incoming players, now the ability to get one more game to go and see the school that that you're about to go and attend and play for. That too, I think, is a nice added bonus with this this UCF bowl game here against BYU. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you usually want to go to a school that's up and coming or a school that's good, right? You just sometimes guys have to go to schools just because that's maybe one of the few offers they only have. But it's it's good when you sign to a place and realize that year after year they're going to a bowl game. I believe that's four straight years for us going to the bowl game. And if I'm not mistaken, seven out of eight, something like that, of going to a bowl game. So you know that you're going to a prominent program that really puts an emphasis on winning because they do it year in and year out. And you and that's prideful for you, right? You sign your name on the dotted line, like my school goes to bowl games, you know, every year. They win conference championships every other year or every other or every year. This is why I went to UCF. This was the whole reason why I came here. The educational value and because there's a pres- a precipice on winning at this next level. Yeah, the UCF-BYU game, that's going to give Night Nation uh, another opportunity here to, to see UCF for the last time. We talked a little bit about the offense as a whole here in 2020. Defensively dues a very young unit all season long. Yes, the Knights gave up some yardage this year, but they've turned out to be one of the most opportunistic teams defensively. Second in the nation, forcing 22 turnovers. And that's really something I think you can be proud of as this this UCF defense continues to get a little bit older, wiser, a little bit more mature. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and you stated it already, Scott. We have one of the youngest defenses in the nation. A lot of freshmen playing up front, a lot of true sophomores playing up front, our defensive line. I believe we get our whole defensive line back this year. We might lose maybe one guy, the Loach, I think. But besides that, most of those guys are coming back. And in the, the linebacker position, literally everybody's coming back. Secondary, we're going to lose two stars back there. And, and you can't sugarcoat that with Aaron Robinson and what Richie Grant has meant to this program the last three years. But there's a lot of young guys behind them that have, have played. You know, Gaines has played a lot. Corey Thornton, Hodges, Brown at, at corner have played a lot. Devon Wilson's coming back. I think he'll step in right where A-Rob was, and, and we'll be just fine at that position. But we'll see a, a lot of those guys and a good test versus BYU coming up because we're not really sure if those, you know, Richie Grant or – or A-Rob will play, and rightly so. They're deserving. If they don't want to play, they don't, they don't have to play because they have aspirations of playing in the NFL, and both of those guys will be draft picks. So it's understandably if they don't want to play. I would bet money that Richard Grant is most likely going to probably tear him off the field. If I was talking to him, I would be like, just be smart. You know, I, I, I feel A-Rob's probably not going to play. But if Richie Grant, you know, decides to play, just be smart while you're out there. You have a bright future in the NFL. And, like, you could treat this as a spring game. I know when I was – at uh, UCF, and we went to bowl games. You see, uh, Coach O'Leary would treat a lot of these practices like uh, extra spring practice because I believe you used to get 15 practices. I don't know how it is now with 2020. I believe the rules changed a little bit. But he would actually have, like, scrimmages for the younger guys after we had our bowl practice to get ready for who we were playing for. And it's like an added spring like spring uh, session that you'd have to get some of those young guys some extra rep. So we'll see in, in this bowl game, we'll, we'll have a lot of young guys playing. So it's almost like an extra spring game for them to, to prepare, to help hone their skills to get ready for next year. Yeah, those guys have been off since Black Friday, where some teams, including BYU, who will take a look here in just a second, they just played last week. So UCF here has had a, a lapse of time comparatively to some of these, these other teams. But before we get to that BYU matchup, how about some of the all-AAC performers this year? Dudes, and you talk about Richie Grant. Think about this. Three consecutive years First team, all AAC, and Deuce, he was a unanimous selection in the league. And rightfully so. I would say if it wasn't for Zayvon Collins, I would say that Richie Grant might have won Defensive Player of the Year in this conference. And we all know what Zayvon Collins has done for Tulsa this year. He single-handedly put that defense on his back and have won some games for them. And they'll be playing, I believe, this weekend for Cincinnati if everything goes according to plan in the, in the AAC Conference uh, Championship. And, and that guy's playing at a high level. But Richie Grant has been right there with him. He led our team in tackles, led our team in interception. And this is, a guy, like you said, Scott, the last three years has done it at a consistent high level. Three times in a row, first team all AAC. I think a lot of people said his sophomore year he could have maybe came out as a redshirt sophomore and potentially got drafted but decided to come back. Junior year he felt like he had a little bit of lax in some of his play. He felt like he wasn't as focused. So he really wanted to harp on that this year. And I remember him saying he really wanted to get back to the basics, come out his senior year and, and be a leader and harp on some of those little details, those intricate details that he didn't do his junior year. And you saw it on the film this year. This guy was one of the top safeties in the nation. And dudes, Richie Grant, I mean, he's going to be sorely missed for so many reasons for this, this football team. And he is a guy that genuinely loves to play the game of football. We saw him not just, the, obviously, his safety, but he was on multiple coverage teams throughout the course of the year. 
Yeah, 100%. And he was also a guy that they tried out at corner because we were struggling at corner a little bit before the season started with the, the opt-out of Tay Gowan and then Ben Moore not being all the way healthy. So we were short at corner, and we, we had to, we had to depend on a lot of true freshmen playing. It's Corey Thornton and, and then Brown and Hodge. Hodge is playing, but they also had him during camp work at a corner just in case he could, he'd had to you know slide in that corner a few plays. That shows the athletic ability that Richie Grant has, and he's going to be so multiple in the NFL. And also, him playing on special teams is a big boost for NFL teams to see because unless you're a first-round pick, and even sometimes when you're a first-round pick, your first two years in the league, you're, you're going to be playing on special teams. So I'm going to go ahead and put that out there for all you young guys getting ready to go to the NFL. Yeah, everybody's a star when they leave their college. But at the next level, you're at the bottom of the barrel, sir. You're going to be playing special teams. So I think it's really great to see that Richie Grant was on punt team, kickoff team, and, and other special teams and show that he could do that at the next level too. Richie also this year, two fumble recoveries and two forced fumbles. Aaron Robinson, he makes the All-AAC second team. In terms of first team guys, dudes, I mean, Marlon Williams, that, that was the no-brainer. But Jalen Robinson also first team All-AAC. And now the UCF offensive line, Cole Schneider, he, he's been solid since he's been here at UCF. Yeah. But how about first team center, Matt Lee, and you got to take your hat off to Matt Lee, especially early on in the season, the, the, the issues that the, the Knights had going into that ECU game, that ECU game to start the to start the game, four consecutive false start penalties. He has come such a long way in a short amount of time, and, and Deuce, he's going to be here for, for the next several years. Yeah, and I was talking to, to Mark Daniels, uh, you know, the voice of the Knights, and we were talking about this, and I, and I said, you know, I'm happy for Richie, you know, happy for A-Rob, happy for Cole. But honestly, the, the most excited I was for was Matt Leaf. The thing that this kid went through after that Tulsa game, as far as the false starts and penalties and everything that he had, to be first-team ACC and well-deserving because I felt like he was our best offensive lineman this year. I mean, Cole Snyder was right there, but I felt like Matt Lee played the best out of the offensive line, especially going down the stretch. And for other coaches to see that and name him first-team means so much. I mean, this kid was getting death threats, Scott. This is ridiculous. This is a 19-year-old kid getting death threats because of a few penalties that he had as a as a freshman starting at center behind Jordan, who had been there for four consecutive years. You know how you know how big those shoes are to fill, and this kid had to come into that and keep this offense going and make all the calls at center. And he played at a high level going down the stretch. And I was so glad that the coaches and the American Conference saw how well he played and named him first team. So he, at all the nights, I was the most excited for. Yeah, that UCF offensive line paving the way this year. The Knights finishing 24th in the nation, over 212 yards of rush offense. Second team members in the AAC, also including Dylan Gabriel, along with Otis Anderson. And Otis did not play in that South Florida game, most likely will not play here uh, uh, coming up on Tuesday. And do speaking of Tuesday, let's turn our attention now here to BYU, a team that finishes the regular season 10 and 1 they come off a game in which they beat San Diego State last weekend 28 to 14 but but these Cougs offensively that's what a lot of people obviously will point to in their, their sensational quarterback Zach Wilson who has had an unbelievable year but dudes this is a top 10 statistical defense here that UCF will be going up against 
Yeah, and it's kind of like us. Everybody talks about our offense, but nobody talks about our defense and being number two in the nation in turnovers. Well, this defense is top 10, especially in yards per game. They're only giving up just over 113 rushing yards per game and just under 200 yards passing per game. This is a unique defense. It kind of reminds me of the Cincinnati defense and their multiple looks. They run a 3-4. Sometimes they run a 4-4. And they're really multiple with their defensive coordinator, Eliza Tuiaki. This guy... He has kind of a weird background story, Scott. He was actually an offensive player, coached the running backs, coached tight ends. When he got to Utah, they switched him over to defensive line, and he learned the defense. And when he got to BYU, Coach um, Shatake brought him over to BYU to be his defensive corner. This was the first time he was a defensive corner, but he's got this defense playing at a really high level, and they're so multiple. Like I said, they really remind me a lot of that Cincinnati defense. They're real physical up front with their their three defensive uh, front guys, um, uh, Tonga is a big guy, over 320 pounds, about six foot five. Bakary is another guy that was a walk-on that's hard-nosed, can get it up, get it up there. And Daw is a guy that's multiple, can play inside and outside. So these guys play really well against the run. And then um, Isaiah um, Isaiah uh, Kafusi is their is their star player on defense. That defense goes as he goes. He calls out the defense. He's multiple. They'll move him all all over the place. He leads them in a lot of statistical categories. So this defense will get after you. I know you hear about Zach Wilson and 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 and, and Dak Mill on the offense, but this defense is one of the top defenses in the nation. Yeah, Kafusi, the leading tackler, 75 stops on the year. He's got four sacks and three fumble recoveries. Kalani Sataki, this is his fifth season now coaching Cougar football, a former Cougar fullback. He, a lot of his, at least coaching stops, defensive coordinator, and yet it's this this offense here that, that has really kind of been the the, the recognition that, that BYU has gotten. They're averaging 43 points per game. That is top 10 in the nation. Again, this is going to be an offensive showdown with two of the better quarterbacks in the nation, Zach Wilson. This guy is going to be a first day pick or, you know, first round pick in the, the NFL draft. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of very good quarterbacks to come out of the BYU program over the years. But I'll tell you what, dudes, he's got some of the, the, the heady numbers that, that people really are looking at. And he's got the build too, 6'3", 210 pounds, Zach Wilson. Yeah, this guy has got everything you need in the quarterback, and he's really taking this game to the next level from last year to this year. Has been one of the most accurate and efficient quarterbacks, completing over 70% of his passes, throwing for over 3,200 yards and 30-plus touchdowns. But a fastest game that people don't really talk about, he's more mobile than people give him credit for. He's really athletic, has eight rushing touchdowns on the year, Scott, and this guy can do it all, I believe, right before the half versus Coastal Carolina, this guy threw a pass in the air that was about 65, 75 yards from his thirty own 35 to the goal line. It was the last Hail Mary play before half. So that shows you the arm strength that he has, and he's just been so accurate, and he has a real rapport with his roommate, Dax Mill, one of the best receivers in the nation. We talked about our tandem at receiver, but Dax Mill is another guy that plays with a chip on his shoulder because he was a former walk-on. So he still plays with that chip on his shoulder to this day. Yeah, Dax Milne on the season, over 1,000 yards receiving, eight touchdowns. 
And Zach Wilson, pro football focus, had him as the second highest graded quarterback in the nation since 2014, just behind Joe Burrow's 2019 season. So Zach Wilson, this guy is a, a heady player, and this offense coming in averaging over 500 yards uh, per game. So the UCF defense that might be without a couple starters there in the secondary will have their hands full. And so with that now, dudes, let's get a couple maybe keys offensively for UCF against this Cougar defense. And then on the flip side, keys for, for that night defense going up against this this offense for BYU. It's, 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 a, it's a tale that we've been talking about the last few weeks, being consistent on offense and being complimentary, right? Running, pass, working together. Well, on offense, we have to run this ball offense, uh, effectively. If you saw the game versus Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina gashed this BYU defense. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming in because their offensive line from Coastal Carolina was kind of undersized, and they have the big hogs up there on defensive line from BYU. But they ran the ball down their throat. Let's not sugarcoat it. That is exactly what they did in Coastal Carolina and in Conway, South Carolina. I watched the game multiple times, and that's what we have to do. We have to run this ball effectively because you don't want to give BYU why use offense that many possessions of the football and yes our offense goes quick but we want to limit the, the time that Zach Wilson has with his offense out there on the field and if we run the ball and I'm not saying just chew up the clock but we have to be effective running the ball that way we're not one-dimensional and we did a really good job in our last game versus USF both of our running backs going over 100 yards and adversely Coastal Carolina versus them I believe put up over 240 yards rushing versus BYU so that's something that we have to do we have to run the ball effectively, and we and we saw that game versus Coastal Carolina. They won 22-17, not a high-scoring game, but they were able to run the ball effectively, and when they needed to score touchdowns, they did. Defensively, here, here dues against Zach Wilson, and, and you know, no quarterback likes to be under pressure, but if UCF yep. can get him slightly rattled at times, he's a different quarterback. Yeah, 100%, and we saw that again in the Coastal Carolina game, and we keep referring to that game because that was their only hiccup of the season, the one loss they had. If you saw that, the defensive line from Coastal Carolina, and yes, Jackson, their defensive end, is a guy that's going to the Senior Bowl. I believe going into that BYU game had eight and a half sacks. If we can get to Zach Wilson, get him to, to move his feet a little, not let him sit in the pocket and set up and, and throw accurately, he's a different quarterback, as you just stated, Scott. we got to get some of that pressure from our defensive ends. They showed really well this last game versus USF. Um, Tremont uh, Morris-Brash had two sacks, and then Landon Woodson on the other Ty had three sacks and was also an honor roll uh, player in the AAC that last week of the season. So those guys can get pressure on the edge. And then if Cam Good and Noah Hancock can get some pressure up the middle, that way he can't step into those throws. Uh, Zach Wilson is a different quarterback, just like most quarterbacks. If you talk about Tom Brady, for years they've always said, if you get that pressure up the middle, he's not the same quarterback. He doesn't like people around his legs. The same thing with Zach Wilson. If you give him time to throw the ball accurately, he's going to kill you, Scott point blank period because that's the type of quarterback he is but if you can get a pass rush on him with just four guys and play coverage then he's a different quarterback so let's see what Randy Shannon will do as far as mixing up looks for Zach Wilson and also how will Shane Burden get our defensive line getting to this quarterback Again, a matchup of two of the top offenses in the country, the Boca Raton Bowl, coming your way on Tuesday from South Florida. Kickoff slated for 7 o'clock. This will be the third overall meeting between the, uh, the two schools. 
Last time these two teams met dues overtime in which Justin Holman, his touchdown pass to William Stanback in overtime would be the difference here for UCF as the Knights and the Cougs. This the third overall time. And all right, dudes. Yes, we've got uh, some do speak quick, here to close quick, things quick, out. Can you remember that, the time yeah. before before the home and touchdown, the game before that when UCF played BYU? Do you remember what happened that game? That would have been the Jeff Godfrey led 2011 team. But but what happened in that game? That one in Provo. Give me give me a give me an idea here. Give me that a, is a when we got introduced to the boat. Blake Bortles took over in that game and almost led UCF back to a comeback win, and it started 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 the rest of the games, and the next year took them all the way to the Fiesta Bowl. So that was that was the beginning of the boat, Blake and, Bortles. And Jeff Godfrey moved to wide receiver. That's, uh, receiver. that's exactly Correct. right. All right, dudes, let's close out here. Two nights, one podcast. It is called Dues Speak. Dues has played a wealth of football on many levels. He's had a lot of coaches, teammates, that have said things over the past. So, Dues, what's what's this week's do speak leading into the BYU game? Yeah, as you said, Scott, I've, I've played for a lot of multiple different coaches and, and had uh, multiple different teammates throughout my 10-year career and then also in college, my four-year career at UCF. And I think this one really hits close to home. It's it's take nothing for granted because, you know, tomorrow's not promised. And I think it rings rings well for this week because Eric Gilliard already said it with, with bowl games being canceled for certain colleges and us having the opportunity to play all nine games that were scheduled to play and then play in this bowl game versus another, you know, top 25 opponent. It's a blessing. So you can't take anything for granted while you're out, while you're out there playing football. So this week I would say take nothing for granted. UCF Knights go out there, have fun, um, especially in this 2020 season because this game wasn't promised to you and you were blessed enough to play in it. Yeah, without question. And you know what else, dudes? It, it kind of reminds me last year, the Gasparilla Bowl, UCF goes over to Tampa and senior linebacker Nate Evans, who would end up being part of that the, the win in that game. That guy left everything out there on yep. the field. And Eric Gilliard here for, for UCF, very much, uh, very much so the same way. Well, that will do it. Two nights, one podcast. We appreciate you tuning in all season long. The dudes and I heading out. To Boca coming up on Tuesday, 7 o'clock, UCF and BYU. Final thought here, Deuce. Um, Just have fun, really. A lot of young guys are going to play. We don't know how many of our seniors or upperclassmen are going to play because of you know aspirations to go to the NFL. But the young guys that are out there, man, go lay it on the line. Like I said, take nothing for granted because this game wasn't promised to you. And this is going to propel you to what you do next year. And, I, and, and I'm one of the proponents of, you know, what you finished off last year can't really help you next year. But for these young guys, I feel like it can help. Because this is kind of like almost like an extra spring game. So this is a good opponent. This is where you're going to be able to place yourself and see where you need to go next year by this BYU team. It seems like everybody on their team is going to play. You know, Zach Wilson probably has the most to lose in this game versus anybody, and it's already stated that he's going to play. So if he can go out there and lay it on the line, you young guys that are going to play, go out there, lay it on the line, have fun, take nothing for granted because this game was not promised to you. UCF, BYU, 7 o'clock Tuesday, the Boca Bowl. He's Leger Doosable. I'm Scott Adams. This has been two nights and one podcast. And dudes, go Knights! Charge on! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.